love how intentional that God is. If you hear last week, you got to hear Elizabeth preach, share her story, and tell about the difference between darkness and light, and how uh, that's what the season's all about. And so my, you know, personal thought in, in speaking this weekend was, I'm going to talk about hope. This is a season for hope. We're hope, hope, hope. And then, um, and then I heard Elizabeth speak, and I realized what the reason of the season is all about, why we do this, why do we gather, why do we, uh, why is, why is Christmas time so important? And so then instead of sharing the December 19th or the Christmas Eve message then, what if we, and this is what God kind of revealed to me, what if we actually looked at it at the start of the month and actually sat in it and thought about it and rested in what God's done for us this month? And, and actually, that's what Advent's about, right? The anticipation of Jesus coming. And so then let us set our hearts that way. Let us posture our hearts in a way where um, we can anticipate the coming of Christ on Christmas, when we open those boxes and our eyes light up and, and, and everything that, that Jesus is, what the light of the world is all about, we get to do that today as opposed to waiting until the end of the month. And so this is, this is the first time I've ever done this. I, I just believe it's going to be good. And so we're going to dive into um, the most famous scripture in all the Bible. And if you know that scripture, what I want you to do today is pretend like you don't know any scripture, that you've never heard any scripture before and just, just wipe it away because we all know what that famous scripture is. And, and the fact that thousands of people can quote it, millions of people can quote it, and that you see it at every ball game, and, and I think it's been on college game day every, every single Saturday this year, um, it makes it unique. And I think that this scripture has become a little bit old hat to us. We've become numb to it. And so what I want to do is I want to take a different approach to this scripture, and I want to dive deep, and I want to dissect the three parts of it. Are you guys good with that? Yes. Okay. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to gather here this morning in the name of Jesus, knowing that all things are possible because of you, Lord, that you gave us life and you gave us breath this morning. And so, Lord, with that, I just ask that you would help each of us to open our hearts to receive today, to understand the goodness of your love, the great sacrifice that you made, Lord, and the ultimate offer that you presented to us through your Son. I love you for that, and I just love you for your words, Lord. Help me to get out of the way. Let your words be spoken. Let your will be done in people's lives today. Help us to move forward in our faith with you because we gather here. Thank you for the fruit that's going to take place, for the things that are going to happen because we leave here today changed better. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And so then, what's the most famous scripture in the Bible? John 3.16. John 3.16, right? And so then here's why this verse is important. We know that it can be quoted and seen and put up behind the backboard or, or at college game day, but it really explains Christmas. It explains Christmas, and it really explains why history is divided into A.D. and B.C., right? And it summarizes the Bible in one sentence. If you get this verse, you kind of understand what the Bible is all about. And not that we want to go and summarize the Bible to anybody, but, but you know that. It shows us the greatest gift. It shows us the greatest sacrifice in human history, and it shows us the greatest offer that's ever made to any person that walks the earth. In one verse, in this verse, you can settle your eternal faith or your eternal fate. In this one verse, you get a summary of the good news. We call it the gospel. And I want to tell you that we're going to be kind of parked in Ephesians chapter 3 today. If you're taking notes, if you're with us, you're engaged online. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith, and may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. This is the, this is the hope of the world. This is the light of the world. This is what God wants you to experience in Christmas. Paraphrased, it says, may your, re- may your roots, may your roots, may the roots of your heart, May the roots of your belief go deep, be deeply rooted. Everybody say deeply rooted. Deeply rooted. In the soil of God's incredible love. 
And so then this is what John 16 is all about. God's incredible love for you. It's God's incredible love for you. Now, remember, you haven't heard or seen this verse before. Okay. But here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this is the King James Version. So I, I, I sometimes I miss these words. Okay. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so then... Notice there are 25 words in this verse. This was unique. I learned this for the very first time this week diving into this. And so the first 12 are all about God. The first 12 words of this verse are all about God. And it's anchored with the central word being son. And the last 12 words are all about man. Okay? Mankind. And this is the picture of what Christ came to do at Christmas. Jesus came to be the center to redeem us, to connect us to the Father. This is... God the Father, Jesus the Son, and mankind, Jesus came to bridge that gap. And there are three things I want to focus on this morning as we dive into John 3.16. God's great love, I've said them about three times so far, so I'm hoping we're going to walk out of here with this today. I believe this is what God wants for you today. If, if we are talking about what I wanted, we'd be talking about hope, okay? The sacrifice of His Son and the offer that God makes to us. And so the first thing is love. If you're taking notes, write down the word love. For God so loved the world. The world meaning you and me, meaning the human race, regardless of everything. He, he so loved you. And so here's an adverb. It's an adverb of intensity, right? You don't, no, you don't throw so around loosely, do you? Like if you're trying to really bring a point across, I'm so upset. I'm so, and so brings an intensity with it. There's a reason that God said, for God so loved the world. It means nobody's going to love you like God loves you. Nobody's going to love you like God's love you. God's love for you is intense. It's intense. It's the reason for Christmas. It's the reason he, saved, he gave us his son. Now, here's what stinks. In America, we throw the word love around for like everything. I love cookies. I love football. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love Jesus. Love, love, love. And we have kind of this one thing, this umbrella of love that means one thing, right? And the Greek has four different types of love, four words that kind of characterize or categorize what love means. I'm not going to go super deep into those today because we want to talk about Jesus. But to describe what God's love is for us, it's important to know these four types of love that the Greek explained to us. Now, in that, our limitation as Americans or as people in general and our understanding with love limits us from understanding what God's love is for us. So it's not about... God's limitation loving you. It's about our limitation to understand what his love is for us, right? And so the four types of love, if you're taking notes, this is Greek. Eros is intimate love. Dorje is family love. Phileo is friendly love. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And agape is God's love for you. It's unconditional. This is the one that we have a hard time with because a lot of times our love comes with conditions, especially with other people. If they do what we like, we will love them, right? And so then God's love having four parts. I want to break down. This is the first point, but we're going to go into four parts of God's love because they're super important. And the first thing is this. God's love is eternal. God's love is eternal. It's Ephesians 1, 4. This is the message translation. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, God had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love. Long before everything. This means God, before God ever created the world, he thought of you. So then he thought of, the, he thought of you and then he created the world. He didn't create the world and say, oh yeah, Elizabeth should probably be there too. He said, I have a plan for Elizabeth. Here's what she needs to go. And he did that for all of us. And so then he created the entire universe with you in mind. And he did that because he wants a family. 
Everybody say family. Family is important. And we learn through Genesis that everything that God created on earth is an object of his love for us. And the reason that we're alive is God wants you to be, God wants me to be in his family. And so because he created the universe, that's our second point. God's love is universal. God's love is universal. For God so loved the world, the world, the universe, right? Not just people, not just one race, not just one, you know, type of uh, class or everybody, all people, everybody, regardless of history, background, where you come from or where you live. We have on record that nearly 600 billion people, 600 billion people have lived on the earth from the time, from the time, from the beginning of time to now. God's loved every one of those people and he's going to love everyone to come. Everyone. The same is true for you. In fact, the, the fact that you have a pulse right now says God loves you. The fact that you're awake, you're here intentionally this morning. Psalms 145, 9 and 10 says, the Lord is good to everyone. Who? Everyone. Everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. So then, today without God, we have nothing. We all agree? So then notice Psalms 145 doesn't say anything about your behavior. It's not talking about what you do. Okay? It doesn't say, the Lord will shower his love on you. The Lord will show you favor if... There's no condition there, right? There's no condition. If you do these things, God will love you. If you do these things, you'll get there. It doesn't say that. Psalms 145 says, The Lord is good to everyone, and he showers his compassion on all, on all his creation. Which leads us to the third point. God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. We're digging into that agape love, the, the, hard, the, the hard part for us to understand. Romans 8.39 says, Nothing. And all creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So then it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you're from, or who you did it with. God loves you. God loves you. And he sees you as a son. He sees you as a daughter today. God's love is not based on what you do. It's based on who he is. And this is the thing that we tend to get confused sometimes. It's like, oh, well, I'm, uh, I can never measure up. I'm not good enough. I, you know, you don't know my past. It's like, well, God does. And he says, I got you. He says, I've got you. And so through your worst and your best, God loves you. We just think, well, when times are good, God's really shining his face on me. I'm, I really have favor with God right now because, because all the lights were green on the way to work today. And that's not true. He loves you when the lights are red too. And so then, so stop running late, I guess, you know. God's never going to love you any less than he loves you right now, ever. Here's the opposite of that. He's never going to love you any more than he loves you right now. God's love is all of these things. It's unconditional. It's universal. It's universal. The fourth thing is this. God's love surrounds you. God's love surrounds you. Remember in Ephesians 3.17, we want to be rooted in God's love, right? Let's look at verse 18 now. So, so I'm going to go 17 and 18 here. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith, and, you, and, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be be, not do, be, fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, which are God's people, the width, the length, the height, and the depth. God's love surrounds you, of his love fully experiencing, fully experiencing, not just at Christmas, not just on your birthday, not just when things go, go good. By the way, Lindley's birthday is December 8th, so you better make sure to show her some love when you go serve, serve at 6.8 with her. Yeah. And if you're going to that, there's a connect card on the seat. Just say you want to help and leave it on your seat. She'll get it and she'll get in contact with you. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So, all right, you can talk to a lot of people. You can talk to a lot of people and they'll say, I know God loves me. You talk to a lot of Christians, a lot of believers and say, yeah, 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 I, I know that God loves me, but I, but I just, I don't feel it. But I just don't feel it. And this season, this month, over the next 20 days, God wants you to feel these four types of love, the four loves that he has for you. And he wants you to feel the four dimensions of his love. God's love for you is eternal. It's universal. It's unconditional. And it's all around you. It's all around you. This is the good news. This is Jesus coming, right? In Ephesians, Paul tells us that God's love is long. That, that verse 18, all of those things, I want to dig just a, a second on those. So then God's love is long. How long is God's love? God's love is eternal. It's long enough to last forever. It lasts forever. Just receive that. Just believe it. The problem is we don't always look at love lasting forever. We think that if it doesn't, um, it just doesn't work out. And the reality is, is our love as human beings wears out. It just wears out. We get tired and we find excuses and we build walls and, and we decide to walk away. God's love never wears out. God's love never wears out. God's love is wide. God's love is wide. How wide then is God's love? It's wide enough to be everywhere. Everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. everywhere. So that means there's no place that you can be that God is not. In Psalms 139, David says, there's no direction I can run that God will not be. No matter where you go, there you are, right in the middle of God's love for you. His love is wide. If you want to know more about this, read Psalms 139 this week, and you're going to find so much about God's love for you, the width of God's love. What about depth? How deep is God's love? It is deep enough to anchor anything. However deep you've fallen, God's love is right below that. So no matter how deep the pit you feel in, how, how deep the pit, how deep the pain, how deep anything is, God's love is deeper than that. And he's right there. He's right there. He's right there. Period. That's where our eyes need to be. Our eyes need to be on Jesus, right? And so then, high, how, how high is God's love? So last one, God's love is high enough to overcome anything, any mountain, any wall, any barrier, any anything. God's love is higher than the highest thing that we can put in the way. Sometimes I'm an idiot and I put stuff in the way, right? God's love overcomes that. God's love overcomes that. And in the reality, especially as we move into this season, and there, I think we all might have family members who are like, man, I hope they don't come to Christmas, right? I just see them at Thanksgiving. And so God's love overcomes that, but it's God's love through you that overcomes that. It is. And so then God's love is the greatest love we'll ever have. Period. That's the first point. The second point is this. God's love is also the greatest sacrifice. If you're taking notes, it'll be the greatest sacrifice it's not just about great, great love, but sacrifice. This is the greatest sacrifice in human history. This is the greatest love story in human history that somebody would lay down his life for you, right? God gave his only son. Now, we think about this, and we're like, yeah, we know that, and that's good, but he could have sent anybody, right? Could have, but he didn't. He didn't send a representative, a prophet. He didn't send somebody to sing songs to us. He sent his son. He sent his son. And so then knowing that God gave his only son makes this a little more heavy, right? 
2,021 years ago, I love the song we sang this morning, a baby was born in a manger. 2,021 years ago. And Colossians 1.15 says this. It says, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That's who he sent. And if you look at Jesus, you're going to see God. And if you want to know what God is like, I want you to look at Jesus. You can start in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you choose. God's going to speak to you if you open that book, I promise. In John 14, 9, Jesus tells us, anyone who has seen me has been with the Father or has seen the Father, depending on what version you read. And so then God coming himself in the flesh is the greatest sacrifice. Have you ever noticed that the story of God coming, the story of Jesus coming, is the opposite of any fairy tale you've ever told your kids? The fairy tales and the, and the, and the stories and even the cartoons, it's all everything to save or serve or protect the king, the princess, the queen, right? And what you see in this sacrifice is the king comes and he gives his life for the people. It's totally opposite. It's flipped upside down. And what I want you to see in the sacrifice that God made is he, he could have came any way too. He's God. So he could have come and appeared however he wanted to. But he came the same way that, that me and you come to the world. He came as a baby. Why? Because if he came the other way, he'd probably freak us out. Right? Whoa. And we wouldn't believe it. We couldn't grab a hold of it. But because he sent a baby, who's afraid of a baby? Nobody. God didn't come to scare you. He came to save you. There's no fear in God's love, by the way. So then, Romans 5, 8 says this. The reality is, is he came to die. Jesus came to die. He was born to die. Romans 5, 8 says, and this is such a powerful verse, this is it. God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were, while we were of no use whatsoever to him. Dang. What do you mean? Like, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. But if he didn't, you'd spend eternity in hell. He didn't want that. He wanted a family. He wanted a family. And so he offered his son as a perfect sacrifice. That's what, that's what we look forward to. That's what we anticipate on Christmas, eternity, right? And so we get, into we get into heaven based on Jesus' sacrifice, right? Because he was perfect. We're not. Like, I'm not perfect, okay? Everything in heaven is perfect. You have perfection. We are redeemed by Jesus' blood, he redeemed our perfect life. It wasn't there. He made it so, so we can be seen as righteous, holy, blameless in God's sight. Jesus lived what we can't, and he died what we should, so that we can be in eternity with him. Family. Everybody say family. family. So then we've all sinned. We've all fell short. That means there, the price needs to be paid. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so then that's God's, that's, that's God's way, you know? The wages of speeding is ticket, okay? You speed too many times, too many tickets, you get your license taken away. That's happened to me too, okay? It's a former life. So the wages of sin is death. And so then somebody had to pay a price. Somebody had to pay a price. And the good news is Christmas, when you wake up on Christmas, when you wake up tomorrow, when you woke up today, your debt had already been paid, the price had already been paid. It's already paid. It's, it's good. You're good enough. You're good enough. And what you see is this is the greatest gift that you can ever receive because, because saying no, rejecting it, sends you to a place that you never want to be. John 2, 2 in the message says, when Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good entirely. 
Not only ours, but the whole world's. For good. So then Jesus did it. Right? Now what happens when you trust God? I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. What happens when you trust Jesus for his sacrifice? What happens when you receive him? Because this is that like, it's that cloudy area that we try to get done in one day at the end of Christmas. And it's just like this. You need to sit in this for about as long as it takes. And God's timing is God's timing. It's not yours. So don't make a decision based off of guilt. Make a decision based off of God's love for you. Okay. What we see in this sacrifice is this. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Okay. Then in exchange, we call this the great exchange. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm going to read it again. God took the sinless Christ, his son, and he poured every sin in the whole world into him. Then in exchange, he poured all of his goodness into us. That's what we have. That's what we anticipate. That's what we love. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is the great exchange. This is, this is what God said is, I'm going, to take, I'm going to take all your bad, and then I'm going to give you all my good. And that's really good. Somebody say amen. Amen. So then for that exchange to take place, the cross had to happen. Somebody had to pay the price. And when they drove the nails into Jesus' hands, you have to know that they went straight into the heart of God. For what? For you. For God so loved the world, right? And if there was another way to do it, you know God would have. Paying the price for you is sometimes hard to receive, especially when you see it on a piece of paper behind a backboard, okay, or you know that it happened 2,000 years ago. Sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to grab a hold of. And I, what I want you to know then, so that leads us to, to going and, and slipping into our due identity. Well, I'm, well, I haven't done enough. And your entrance to heaven is not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus has already done. This is the biggest point. If you've been tuned out and scanning your phone or whatever, this is the, okay, this is why we celebrate Christmas. There's a big difference between do and done. And I used to live in this do world too. I was the best at being busy. Okay. But busy doesn't always mean productive. And so then there's a big difference between do and done. And think about it this way, regardless of how you were raised or, or how your dad treated you, because that was a different generation. And my dad treated me that way too. Okay. The difference between religion to God and relationship with God is the difference between do and done. It's the difference between do and done. And all religions have their list of things to do, okay? And they also have those lists of things not to do. And we get really good at knowing what not to do and all that we have to do, and we're, and we're busy. And so we don't always get to all the things that we have to do. And, and in all of it, it's about doing, 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 and it's exhausting, 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 okay? And the belief of if I do enough, I'll get to heaven is broken, it's very broken because we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Grace. It's a grace gift. Jesus is a grace gift. And Christianity doesn't have anything to do with doing. It has everything to do with done. Done. It's a belief that it, Jesus' sacrifice, has been done for you. Saved by grace. In fact, when Jesus was dying on the cross, his last words were what? It is finished. It is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished enough of this. He didn't say I'm finished. He said it is finished. That means it's been done. It's been done. And so then what was finished? Paying for the sins of my life, every sin, even the ones I'm I'm going to do at some point in the future, 
Every sin of my life, it's done. Every sin of your life, done. Done. We cannot take anything from that. And we can't add anything to it. To do that is to tell him, not enough for me. To do that is to say, you didn't, it wasn't enough for me. And that's wrong. That's believing in doing instead of done. Right? And so then, it finished means accomplished, completed, done. We walk in God's grace. We do not work for it. The entire human race already has what they need. They just need to receive it. It's acceptance, right? And so to bring confirmation that I want to look at Ephesians chapter two, just for a second. And we are, we're getting there. We are so getting there. And so Ephesians two uh, verses eight through nine, it says this for it is by God's grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not through your own effort is what the Amplified says, but it is undeserved and a gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep any law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for their salvation. This is Jesus did it. Jesus paid it all, right? So then you're saved by grace. This is a big point. You're saved by grace through faith with God's love for God so loved the world. You're not saved by work through knowledge with your effort. I didn't make that one. I'll say it again. You're saved by grace through faith with God's love, not by your knowledge with your effort. So then through John 16, we see God so loved the world. We see the greatest love. We see he gave his only son. We see the greatest sacrifice there. That whosoever, everybody say whosoever. whosoever. Believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the greatest offer. This is the third point, the greatest offer. Christmas brings a lot of great offers, doesn't it? So many great offers. Social media is listening to you. They're dropping ads on your feed. You get so many sale bills in the mail that are a waste of time and print and money. You get emails from Dillard's and wherever you shop saying, come now, and you save 5%. And, and the reality is there's a lot of great offers during Christmas. Lots of great offers during Christmas. So many offers, we have them coming out of everywhere, right? And the reality is to, to receive all of those offers, you'd have to spend 10 times what you'd save, right? We don't think about it like that, though. It's like, oh, yeah, I got to get down there now because that TV's only what? So in all of that, Christmas brings a lot of great offers, and the reality is, is the greatest offer that's ever made is, the, is what we see in John 3.16. It's what we see in John 3.16. Whosoever believes in Jesus shall never die, is what it says, paraphrased. And so then what you see is the offer is never die. And the exchange is your belief. The exchange is your belief that in 20 days, Jesus came. Jesus is coming. Light of the world. Right? And so the exchange is your belief. Now, who is the offer to? We already said it. Whosoever. Who's whosoever? The world. Everybody. Titus 2.11 says, The free gift of eternal salvation is offered to everyone. Everyone. Doesn't matter your past, your religious background, if you're educated or uneducated, if you're rich or you're poor, or you're broke, or you live over there or live over there, live on the other side of 25 or over the mountain. It doesn't matter. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. Acts 1035 says, uh, says it like this. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God, the door's open. Yes. It's just open. And so then it's not what you've done in life that matters. It's who you are. 
It's who you are. God thought about you before the first sunrise. He called you a son or a daughter. It's John 1, 12 backed up. Now for an offer to be complete, there must be an exchange, right? All offers are just offers until we move, until we act. And so then, once we accept the offer, what happens? Salvation. The offer is never die for your belief, right? It's an exchange for your belief. Now here's the thing. God knew that Jesus would reject his son. Jesus knew that people would reject his sacrifice. He knew. He knew. So then, how do we accept the offer? Knowing that, how do we accept the offer? It's in Romans 10.9. If you watch the SEC and CBS, it's, it's, this is it. CBS. Confess, believe, saved. <laughs> if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. CBS. When you do this, you graduate from do to done. Because you've reestablished your relationship with God, you've been redeemed. Romans 10, 9 is two-part. I'm going to close with this. It's two-part. It's so very clear. Confess. What does confess mean? The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it comes with a belief, not a knowledge. Not a knowledge. You're not saved by knowledge. Okay? And what this means is you're, you're saying, Jesus, you have my heart. Jesus, you have my heart. I give you my heart. It's surrender. You're really saying, I can't do this anymore, but I believe you've done it. I believe you've done it. And you're saying, I received the sacrifice. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to rule my heart, which means I want you to be in every decision. And, and a matter of fact, I need you in every decision because when I make them by myself, I stink. Except for the easy ones, okay? I can change a diaper, right? Believe is the second part of that scripture. What does that mean? Believing is more than knowing. Believing is more than knowing. You believe in your heart. You know in your head. The word belief in the Bible means to trust in, cling to, rely on. It comes from your heart. It comes from your heart. And a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches because of they know it here and they don't believe it here. They're going to miss it. The reality is a lot of people are saying, I know Jesus is the Son of God. Like, I've been told that forever by this and this and this and, and all the 17 churches I've been to. And, and I know that. And it's good that you know that, but the devil knows that too. The devil knows Jesus is the Son of God. He's not going to be in heaven. He's just not. And so then, there are a lot of people who struggle with that receiving, right? It's accepting and receiving. You see it in John 12, 47. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. The fear is being judged. Well, just, you know, I've done so much wrong. And God said, no, I didn't come to judge the world but to save the world, the world meaning you. The world includes everybody. So then that leads people to go, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And this is 1 Peter uh, 1, 3, and 4. This answers the question. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. Wait a second. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. Everybody say brand new. And we have everything to live for. We have everything to live for including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Your future starts now with Jesus. Why? 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 Ephesians 1.5. God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us. His unchanging plan before the creation of the world. He had you in mind before the first sunrise. God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through his son. Isn't that John 3.16 again? It is. 
And so this is what Christmas is about. God wants you in his family. Remember what we see in the most famous scripture in the whole Bible. We gain clarity through John 3.17. We saw God's great love. We saw great sacrifice and we see great offer. We see great offer. And I want to close by reading Ephesians 3.17 through 19 together. 17 and 18 will be reviewed because it's so, it's so important that we understand God's love for us because, because it's unconditional, because it's those four parts. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Why did Jesus come? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, that's a belief, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, it's God's people, the width, length, height, and depth of his love, which means you fully experience, it's more than knowledge, the amazing endless love that God has for you. Now verse 19, this is my hope for you today. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. It, surpa it surpasses head knowledge. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Here's my prayer for you today. We're going to go backwards now. It's Ephesians 3.16. This is the start. Just a brother of John 3.16. May he grant you, this is my prayer for you today, may he grant you out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self. This is who you are. It's your being. The indwelling, your inmost being and personality. God calls you a human being, not a human doing. You're saved by grace. It's who you are that God's concerned about. It's who you are that God's concerned about, not what you do. It's who you are that makes a difference in other people's lives. So that when the light of the world stepped into darkness, he gave us the opportunity to receive the light. And when we receive the light, we are that light. So then the difference we make is we bring light to other people because Jesus came and was, and was that light for us. Does that make sense? So then shine a light to all men. Shine a light to all men. Jesus is that light and it shines through us as believers. Everybody say believer. believer. So then this is what you experience. This is what your kids experience when you unwrap Christmas presents. Christmas morning. This is the reason. This is the reason for that. The excitement, the joy, the, the light in people's eyes, the excitement. It all goes back to anticipation of Jesus. Jesus stepping into a broken, dark, empty world. And he wants to make it personal. He wants to step into your world. That's what it's about. And so the joy that you experience there is tied. It's rooted in the love that God has for you. It's what Elizabeth talked about last week. It's John 12, 46. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes and trusts in me as Savior, all those who anchor their hope deep, God's love is deep, anchor their hope in me and rely on the truth of my message will not continue to live in darkness anymore. This should be your prayer, your thought process, your quiet time thought this month as we move towards Christmas. This is what God did for you. His great love, his, there's not a word for the sacrifice. The greatest sacrifice and the greatest offer is simply to receive the light that happens that morning. Now, if you missed Elizabeth's message last week, raise your hand. There's a podcast. It's called The Grove FC. Look it up. It's on Spotify and it's on Apple. And isn't Christmas about presents, right? So then that's a present to you. Yeah. 
We had a guy build that this week. And so I think everything's backdated to uh, Halloween just to punch the devil in the face. Okay. And so then from October 31st to now, you have a podcast. So if you don't have time to sit and watch, you can listen wherever you're going. The podcast is there and that is for you. And I want you to go and listen to her message because it's powerful. It's powerful. If you don't want, if you don't know what podcast is, get it on YouTube. The next 20 days, think this way. God's great love, God's great sacrifice, God's great offer. And I want you to see it like this. For God so loved you that he gave you Jesus so that if you believe, you will not die. That's what it says.